Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk. Oh, see, Joe, I gave him some headlines and... What's the first thing he does? He tears him up. He doesn't like the news today, so he's ripping it up. Just call me Nancy Pelosi. Well, I tried to shake your hand when you came in the room. What's wrong with you? Well, I didn't see a hand extended. Oh, is that it? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome on board. We are not mad. There was a big hit by Little Richard in the 1950s called Rip It Up. Oh, okay. So you were just thinking of that song? Well, that's part of what I was thinking. Not (laughs) specifically ripping up my headlines. I didn't rip up your headlines. I ripped up the attachment. Sheet. <laughs> okay, I, know. I wouldn't rip up your head. Just harassing you. What was I might say? Oh, that's fu- the governor's introduction. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> that's all right. I know it by heart. <laughs> On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check it out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll free line is open right now. Call us immediately with your reaction to the State of the Union address. We would just love to hear from you. 1 800 795 9565. If you thought it was fabulouser than ever before, call 1 800 795 9565. If you thought it was full of lies, half-truths, and exaggerations, call 1-800-795-9565. Give them a different number. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you're funny. All right. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. And if you disagree adamantly with Joe, you can email him at joe at wkok. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, you still have an email here with the wkok suffix. But anyway, onthemarketwkok.com is our email. We'd love to hear from you. I believe we have, uh, is it two people favoring? No, no. One for, one against. We haven't read the third one that just came in. Okay. So we'll look at that. Uh, You can text us also at 70236. We do not have any new text, but we have one that yesterday that had an important message that said, yeah, hey, I could have won a bet. <laughs> I know. Hey, Joe, what are the odds 45 will mention the impeachment tonight? I'll bet you he does. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't texter. take that bet because he didn't. <laughs> Should have took that action. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, we got open phones. Please, we would just love your reaction. You know, Joe and I have enough reaction that we could go for an hour, but uh, we it isn't it isn't the Mark and Joe show. It's the On the Marker show with WKOK Live Telephone Talk show. Please give us your reaction now. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Uh, 1-800-795-9565. Your reaction, Joe, what uh, what, what did you think? Well, I, I, I'd i rather read some of the comments that we have first, and we have Please. a call coming in. Go I mean, right I, you know, my reaction was maybe a little bit different than yours, but we have one on each side, and then we have actually a phone call coming in from someone who's probably. Well, why don't we do that? I can't ask for calls and then not. No, take you them. can't. So let's see what Stan has to say. Stan, you're on the mark. Uh, it was a good State of the Union address last night. I think oh my Democrats gosh. showed what they're made of. You know, plain view. They're you know the disdain for America greatness and the good things in America. You know, they just sat in their hands the whole time. You know, a four-year-old gets a, I mean, yeah, not four-year-old, a fourth-grader gets a scholarship to go to a school of her choice, and they sit on their hands. 
Oh, they didn't applaud for that? No, they didn't. Oh, no. dear. That, that's a, a no, mistake. it was ridiculous. But they did applaud some things, like the soldier returning and that kind of the that sort of thing. I noticed they sort of had to pick and choose as he went along as to what they were going to applaud for because some of them are just universally good and others, uh, as you pointed out, they didn't stand up for. Well, I think they didn't because the president, that's one of his big exaggerations is that this school choice will specifically help uh, a lot of students now. It's going to have to help this particular girl now, but uh, you know that's why I think they sat down because it's one of the things that he says that he's done that he hasn't done and is having the impact he said. I don't think he said he's done. He says he wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't they said get he... a bill together, he'd sign it. But, you know, how do you know it wouldn't help a bunch of kids if they had a choice to go to a school that's not failing compared to a school that is? Well, you're right. We don't know because it hasn't happened. Stan, you're right on this one. Plus, how about this? How do you explain to the little girl while the sullen Democrats aren't applauding you? <laughs> no, seriously. That, that's a good one. I, I have no idea. How you, you know, her mother's going to have to sit her down and explain to her why that half the room didn't stand up and applaud when she got something that was good and it's going to help her in her future. Right. You know, that's right. something that, you know, the Democrats are going to have to answer for that. I I just think, you know, poor poor Pelosi, was she just bitter and, and, and angry because she knows that's going to be the last day of the union. She's going to be sitting in the speaker's chair. Oh, you think it'll that's flip back to Republican? Opinion. Well, that's a, that's a one way to look at it. It's always a distinct possibility. You know, next year that could. Oh no, she would still be there next year, even if no, the, no, 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 she, she well, she January, January, gone. yeah. There's a new Congress reorganizes in January. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. All right. So oh, if she's what not you, in danger of losing her seat, however. Well, right, but uh, just the, just the <laughs> well, uh, that's, speaker that's, that's seat. That's something that the people of San Francisco need a remedy, but I don't see that happening. <laughs> and what do you think about the tearing up the speech or tearing the speech in half? Well, that's, that's just juvenile. I mean, come on. <laughs> if she wants to throw it away, wait till afterwards, throw it in her office, and throw it away if that's what she thinks of. To sit there on national television and let, let the world see it. That, that's a good image to see. Well, I think uh, someone told me this morning, I didn't hear the story, but my wife heard the story, that the parliamentarian rushed in and picked it up because it was an official United States document signed by the president that was intended for the archives. Oh, dear. And she ripped <laughs> it's it up. torn in half. Oh, dear. Uh, this is oh, a sign right. of the times. So sign of the times. A good example of putting the National Archives yeah. no, be on full display. Well, but you know what that will do is it, it describe exactly how divided we are at this time. You know, are we more divided than ever before? The president, you know, had a lot of superlatives in his speech, but are we more divided than ever before? Or Joe, who's a history buff, can tell you, well, no, we've been pretty fractured in the past occasionally. Yeah, we had this thing, thing called the Civil War. That was pretty divisive. You say you're right. We, we, <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, a good point. That's pretty good. Yeah. In the modern <laughs> era, have we been more divided than now? The Vietnam War. Okay, so we were pretty sharp along yep. those lines. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Stan, right. for responding Thank to our you, invitation. Stan. I love your opinions. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Mike, next caller, State of the Union. We appreciate your dialing us up. You're on the mark. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, you know, I'm not going to criticize Nancy Pelosi because I believe that when people are under extreme stress, they sometimes do inexplicable things that you know that it, normally they wouldn't do, but they happen. And I think what happened to Nancy last night was she sat there and she looked at the way the Democrats were behaving. You know, uh, you mentioned some already the the, the African American girl who stood up and was not applauded by many in that uh, 
one side of the State of the Union, uh, which I, I just don't understand that. So I think what Nancy was thinking about was she's thinking that the Democrats are going to win the presidency, the House, and the Senate. And she's looking at how is she going to control the radical left? Because let's face it, the Democrats are going to be under, if they win at all, they're going to be under such pressure to perform that they're going to have to satisfy that growing radical left of their party that would not stand, that would not recognize the president, would not recognize many wonderful things that were said last night and wonderful people that stood up. So I think she just had basically, uh, in her mind, she was stuck between a rock and a hard spot, and it all came tumbling down on her. And that is what it, the stress is what explains that behavior. I don't think she did it out of hate or vindictiveness. I think she was just so stressed out that she did something that she probably regrets she did and wouldn't do it again. Oh, I don't she think, had the opportunity. I don't think she regrets it because when she was asked about it, she said that considering the alternatives, that was the polite thing to do. As of last night, yeah. while she's still under the kind of duress that uh, Mike's referring to. So I, I agree with him. I think uh, I, I don't think she's going to apologize but I think no. in her heart of hearts she'll be sorry she did that. It's because it's such an unkind gesture at a the only moment of unity they get annually. Well, why do you say that the State of the Union is a moment of unity? It usually isn't. Well, because the, it, it's where he's everybody's president. She right. may not like his policies or his personality or his tweets or his bullying or the fact that uh, you know he's got um, well m- more than half the country you know pushing for him right now, or he certainly did during the election. But uh, I, I think that it's an opportunity for us to get behind. You know, if we were at war, at a traditional war, and I realize we're still fighting in Afghanistan. Afghanistan and and in the Middle East, but I think if we were in a traditional war, or if it was right after 9-11, we're all on the same page, and I think that was a missed opportunity. I think she'll regret it it later. One one last question I have for you guys before I let other callers on here, is you you people advertise uh, uh, an investment firm uh, down in Lewisburg area somewhere, I I can't think of the name of it, there's commercials on your show. Uh, Lone Oak? Lone what Oak. is it called? Uh, Lone Oak is, uh, they're actually in Hummelsworth, but Lone Oak is their name. Yeah, L-O-N-E-O-A-K. It's all one word. Yeah, and I was I was wondering, in fact, I'm going to call them up myself, but here's what I'm, uh, I'm curious about. Uh, I, I watched the stock market a little bit. I still have some of the uh, stock from the former company I worked for, but here, here's my thought. Right now, the people that I talk to that invest in the stock market, they think that uh, Trump is going to win and we're pretty much going to have status quo as far as the government is concerned. But here's what I'm thinking. If, if we get into this summer and, and get into, you know, some things are going to happen, let's face it, what, what's going to determine this election, in my mind, has not happened yet. And it's, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And, and things may turn around here. And the stock market people start, may start thinking that, hey, just like I am, the Democrats are going to control the House, the Senate, and the Congress. And at that time... The, the investors are going to start saying, I don't think we're going to like this. You know, they're going to start changing to moving the money around for the things that are popular now to the things that they think the Democrats are going to make popular. So I was just wondering if, if, if you guys ever have any of these financial people on that ever talk about that those kind of things as far as the stock market. Well, it's hard to give financial advice, general fin- uh, specific financial advice to anybody over the radio. It would be foolish to do so because we don't know your specific, you know, your specific uh, goals, objectives, and things like that. That's that's why they have private uh, private 
meetings with people. No, but they can so. comment on the economy and whether they yeah. agree with what Mike just said. This but, idea is, is the economy going to keep Mike's booming? But Mike's basing it on the fact that the president is going to lose the election and that there's no, going the to be... No, the president's going to win. Yeah, but the House, he said the Senate would be taken over by the Democrats. They're going to have both. Oh, I got you. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, thank and, you. And Joe, that is, that is, to me, this is what this whole impeachment charade is about. In other words, to influence enough people in those states where there's vulnerable senators that they can get the Senate. Because they're, in my mind, they're confident they're going to win the uh, House, they're confident they're going to win the presidency, and they just have to get that Senate. Because, like I said, once that is done, they're going to have to satisfy that radical left portion of their uh, their party. And to do that, they're going to have to do some crazy things. Well, depends right. on who they nominate, but you got a point. Thanks a lot for calling. Yeah, thank you so it. much. 1-800-795-9565. Bill's waiting from patiently. Bloomsburg. Bill, you're from Bloomsburg. You're on the mark. Yeah, I just want to let you know that uh, the Democratic Party has confirmed in public what they've been doing all along. Nancy Pelosi uh, destroying documents. I mean, legal it they, they've been doing this the whole time Trump's been in. Uh, don't like anything the way it goes. Hillary's proven that they, they destroy everything. They're they're uh, they don't they don't care about the American people and the and the Constitution and the uh, the American way. And by her destroying them documents is 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 uh, with shifty shift and all that they're just doing what they want at will and it it <laughs> it put it right out there for, for everybody. Yeah. Well, that's not true. They love America as it much is. as everybody else. They just disagree with you on a really vast array of policy things. But uh, it's un- it's really unfair to say they don't love America. Just because somebody doesn't like something the way you do, you know, you're not the decider of who's an American. And we have a whole series of shows we're doing in the morning with uh, the uh, some of the professors at Bucknell. What's it take to be an American? And one of the primary criteria that they've noted over the past 200 years for Democrats, Republicans, people who were advocates for slavery and people who fought against it, is to put your zeal into action, not just to sit back and complain, and not just to, uh, what you could say, passively protest, but to actively lobby, to do as, like Joe and I talk about this idea of So they were in favor of the Civil action. War? The, these professors were in favor of the Civil War? No, they were in favor put of... Put your zeal into action? The, the South had a zeal for the... They were, they were in favor of people speaking up and letting their legislators and their congressmen, in that case, know how they felt. Now, they happen to be in the wrong of a critically important issue, but that doesn't really matter. The goal is Americans take action, respond, stand up for what they believe in, and the Democrats fit that mold, Bill. I know you disagree sharply with them. Uh, I know you have a disdain for them, and that's fine. They're, you know, this is America, and everybody's welcome to their opinion. But the fact of the matter is, you can't diss a Democrat just because you don't agree no, with them. The Democrats have proven over time, especially lately, that they don't believe in the Constitution. That's not it's, true. It's proven. Go ahead. They, they, stated, oh, yeah, right. they stated it. They don't believe in the Second Amendment. It's been stated many times by many uh, Congress people on the Democrats. It, it's uh, and uh, you know it. Look, look what they're doing. I mean, look at the Virginia. It's a mess. Look at this country. That's only the tip. If they get in, they're, they're going to destroy this country. They're going to destroy it. 
Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. Really appreciate the call. We'll take all viewpoints similar and opposing right now. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Oops. 1-800-795-9565. Sorry, you actually have to hang up the phone <laughs> yes, at do. the end of conversations. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Uh, we've heard some decisions for and again. Looks like two, four, and one again when it comes to the State of the Union in our email stack. And, uh, How do you demonstrate? demonstrate that you love this country. Uh, don't you do that by respecting its institutions? In other words, if I don't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, if I oh don't shake the president's hand or I, I tear up his speech, I mean, w- what actions prove that you love the country and what actions are legitimate dissent? Excellent. We've had that argument in this country forevermore, and it's right. still going to go on today. Right. You know, I don't question anybody's patriotism. I believe Nancy Pelosi loves this country as much as I do. I seriously disagree with the method she's choosing to demonstrate that love. Well said. We'll let our audience answer that. Joe does not know what a love for this country can mean. So answer that question. What should it mean? I think that's going to vary by the person who answers the question. Okay. What should it mean? What action should it mean? If you love this country, what should you do? 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark 852. We have eight minutes before the top of the hour and open lines, 1-800-795-9565. We have, Boy, we have texts and emails, too. Right. Well, they're coming in. Uh, Cliff Readers is calling in at 906. That's that great attorney from Williamsport, past president of the Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers Association. Uh, we'll ask him about the State of the Union and uh, the impeachment, so we'll get his uh, view on that. All right. The emails, Joe, please. Well, our friend Tom... Uh, who is going to be anti-Trump, says the State of the Union address was nothing but lies, half-lies, and twisted truths. All right, let me stop you there because I want Tom to tap out an email for us. I'd like him to tell us what was a blatant lie. I know the president exaggerates like crazy, and I know the half-lies were in there. That's obvious, but... Well, you should have watched Morning Joe this morning. Okay, they spent well, the I'm whole sorry. Program, I, I'm busy in the morning. They spent I don't the have time whole to program TV telling you about how much better things were under Obama than they are under Trump. Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah, Tom, let us know. <laughs> blatant lies. He said it was green and it was actually blue. Please send that email. Thank you. The On The Mark crew and its seven callers no doubt felt right at home. Today, we will hear how great it was and that it's all true. The fact checkers burned up several computers going through this one. The highlights for me were no clapping by the one side of the room. Many members got up and walked out and Nancy Pelosi tore up his speech in half three times. The lowest point for me was Donald the Liar Trump presenting the Medal of Freedom to rush the Liar Limbaugh. 
the best thing to come out of this is that what is it was his last one. Well, that's hard, harsh. The country will never have to go through this torture again. The Platters, a 50s era group, said it best about Trump. Oh, yes, I'm the great pretender. Okay, if you say so, Tom. Although the president says the economy is better now than ever before, is that a disputable... Oh, I think some people dispute it. But here, let's balance this with, uh, this one is signed by Rob Smith and Trevor, and he says, wow, what a show we saw last night put on by the Speaker of the House. I'm sorry, but her name will never again be acknowledged by my lips or my pen ever again. I was more than happy to sit there last evening and chuckle at her smug attitude and mean scowl and her relentless paper, paper shuffling, but her closing act was way over the top. She was an embarrassment to the Democratic Party, a disgrace to the office, and chair she occupies and a disgrace to the American people as she felt compared, compelled rather to disrespect the office of President of the United States. We all know that the State of the Union address was, is, and always will be a toot-your-own-horn hour to brag about your and your party's accomplishments. We have all had to listen to presidents we didn't agree with at one time or another, but her final act reminded me of a child not getting their way, not the Speaker of the House of the greatest country in the world. She certainly showed me her true colors last night, and they weren't red, white, and blue. Her action told me what she thought about a military widow and her son, a 100-year-old war veteran, a mother and father who lost their daughter, a veteran that pulled himself up by his bootstraps and started his own business, a man that lost a brother to an illegal, an honored man now battling cancer. I know what she thinks of everyday Americans. She has no compassion, is uncaring, and un-American. I wonder if her sanctuary state of California will let her back in after that show. Now it's time to encourage the American people, just remember this, if you at some point think you're having a bad day, just remember, somewhere in this world there is a Mr. Pelosi. Amen. <laughs> that may be the best letter we've ever received, received in the program. Yep, <laughs> Rob, this one's going into our Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Put that in archive, please. Right. Uh, Dan, thank you for waiting. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning, guys. I thought it was a great speech, and I think part of Pelosi's rage is that Trump didn't mention impeachment. It's just as if the impeachment didn't even happen at all. And you could see the rage on that lady's face throughout the whole speech. She was very uncomfortable because Let's face it, no matter who you are, you know this president has brought America back to some degree, I think to a great degree, but he's brought it back due to, oh, and she was outraged because the, on the, <laughs> the deplorable president that they hate brought it back. An outsider, that's part of her rage. Another part of her rage is her party's divided. She would like to be the more moderate part, but she has to kowtow to the more far left part. That's part of her rage. So there's a, she does have a serious rage problem. And her tearing up them documents shows how, it, because Trump made our country, making it great again, she tears up, 
she would hates it because he's doing it, and they couldn't do it. They didn't get it done, and I think it's just it's really hard on her. And whatever hope she gets out of this rage and over the anger, her blood pressure must have been 220 <laughs> over 120 that last <laughs> night. So I, I just hope that we can find more unity. I don't know. It don't look good right at this minute, but I sure hope they well, can tolerate us as we tolerate them. Well, if it's going to be a tough year. I, I certainly don't see anything that would deliver any unity this year. And of course, that the address that he delivered last night really centered on his accomplishments rather than, uh, you know, the word re- we, you know, or anything that could lead to unity. So I think this is going to be a tough year, plus it's a presidential election, so compare and contrast is the, is the nature of that game, so we're going to hear that all year. But let's suppose he's reelected. Is there hope that next year more people will get on board or, you know, maybe he could tone down the tweets and just focus on policy. They'll just start more investigations. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, that this successful presidency is good for us all. A lot of parts of it's helping everybody. You know, I don't know why we can't applaud the successes he's had that's good for everybody yeah there's things that they don't like I'm sure of it but that's applaud the success this man has had a lot of successes with this presidency and right. that's we're out of time on this them. segment Dan we're out of time in this segment thanks for calling in appreciate your call as always yeah really appreciate it thank you Cliff Reader is going to call in at 9.06 we'll do brief headlines and then we'll go back to open phones we got some more texts to read and one more email we'll enjoy more impeachment no scratch that we'll enjoy more State of the Union reaction when we return you're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe McGranahan is my good conservative co-host, mayor of Shemokin Dam, chair of the CSVT Task Force, Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters. His favorite title at the dinner table is... Papa. From his grandchildren. So right. uh, we appreciate Joe coming in. Rob Center is our fabulous producer. Uh, we're going to enjoy an interview right now with Cliff Readers. I always call him a noted attorney. Uh, of course, he uh, became a household word around here during the Penn State child rape cover up uh, lawsuits and legal entanglements that followed. Past president of the Pennsylvania Trial Lawyer Association, member of the Pennsylvania Patient Safety Authority. And uh, what else, Cliff? Your resume is about four. 
four pages long, I'm sure. And he's a nice guy, too. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, whatever they put on there. Whatever my handlers tell me to put down there, they put down there. <laughs> Your handlers. Well, you thank her. You thank Melissa for uh, clearing the space for us this morning. Oh, sure. We are talking about the State of a Union Address. Can I get a quick reaction from you? Any thoughts about what you saw or heard last night? Yeah. Well, as, as a committed kind of middle-of-the-roader sort of guy, you know, and I, I like to critique both sides, I thought it was a, a grand slam. I really did. I've been watching, I, I hate to reveal my age, but I've been watching, uh, you know, I think there are two things that I do as a citizen I think are absolutely key. Number one is vote, and number two is listen to the State of the Unions. And, you know, they're always a wish list, and they're always, you know, they're always sort of baloney, um, and they all do it. I remember watching my first one was, you know, Eisenhower, so I'll give away my age, you know. But um, so I've tried to watch every one. I'm not sure I've ever missed one. I thought it was great. And, I, and I'm not a big TV watcher, you know, but it reminded me of Oprah. What he did was Oprah or Ellen DeGeneres or any of these kind of people. You know, he made it into TV. He used the medium. He used the medium of TV, of live TV, um, as though he were running a show. And he has experience at that. I mean, that's something he knows, right? He, he was a TV guy, a TV celebrity. And um, the way he handled the introduction of all of these marvelous people, most of whom were, were minority people, you'll notice, um, the way he handled that was, you know, very, very slick, very experienced. Um, he looked like he knew what he was doing. And they were all compelling stories. You know, I'm not the kind of guy to tear up, but, you know, at least two of them made me tear up. So, so that component of it, um, which is what most people are going to remember, and most people see, and most people think about, and what the you know news people talk about, was really magnificently done. Uh, I think that for him to have resisted talking about the impeachment was remarkable for him. I would have bet anybody on your show ten million dollars that he would have made at least one snide remark about the impeachment, uh, and he did not, and I, I would have lost that bet. Uh, and so it does show the guy has matured in office. He's developed some self-control. He's developed some realization that just because he thinks that he doesn't necessarily have to say it, at least not on the spot. And so not saying anything about the impeachment probably got him a couple of extra votes, you know. And, uh, of course, you know, he talked about um, empowerment of minorities and the poor. And, of course, it made the Democrats crazy because they think those are their issues, you know. And to hear a Republican president um, talk about God, country, the poor, um, the minor minority groups, that sort of thing, that combination of issues is something that Democrats don't really know how to deal with very well. Uh, it confuses them. It makes them angry. They think that's exclusively their domain. So my, you know, I would I would give him a you know a ninety plus in terms of the performance and the content. What do you What did you think of Nancy Pelosi tearing up his speech at the end? Well, I, I think it looked petulant and childish, and she lost votes. You know. And people, sure, you know, the committed partisans, they love whatever their people do. So, you know, a committed partisan is going to say, oh, she's got, she's got guts, good for her, you know. But, but the average person in the middle, people like me, you know, people who really do try to see both sides and understand their issues and different opinions and what, who see that sort of thing, you know, just shake their head. I, I talked to a woman who I would consider, you know, a very sort of moderate thinker. Um, I don't think she especially is crazy about Trump, but she was, a, she was livid about it. She was livid about it, called her that B, used a B word. Now, this is a woman who told me this, so I would consider her to be, um, uh, uh, you know, what you might call a feminist type in terms of her opinions. She was, she was livid that Nancy Pelosi would do that. It seemed to her to be the lowest of the low. So if, she, if you're going to criticize Trump and the Democrats are going to criticize Trump for being, you know, crude and crass and ignorant and inappropriate and then do the same thing, 
for goodness sakes, you know, how do you get away with that? So uh, I think that was really dumb on her part. It was poor TV. It was dumb. Whereas Trump showed good TV skills, she showed poor TV skills. Now, I, I don't know if, if Trump deliberately did not shake her hand or if that was a miscue or, or you know, he, he was just moving fast. But if he deliberately did not shake her hand, I think that was a mistake, too. And it's hard. Listen, I'm a trial lawyer. And I can tell you, I've been through some pretty big battles with some pretty nasty people, and I always shake their hand at the end of the case, and I, you know, so I have to grip my teeth sometimes. You know, I've, I've dealt with people who are liars, who are crude, who are inappropriate, uh, who are dishonest with the court, I have to go over and shake their hand, I mean, give me a break, but I do it. So, what, you know, so I, I think that he should have done it, if he did, but, but it wasn't as, as obvious, it was not... Um, as as obviously a petulant, um, immature, childish thing as her ripping up the speech in peak, you know, in a, in a fit of peak. It showed a lack of professionalism on her part, and really sort of. Uh, but but then again, the those that you know those that hated Obama, those that hate Trump, those that really hate their president will will go to any level to degrade that person, and so that's what you saw. Well, Cliff, this is a question that's six miles wide and maybe an inch deep, but your impression of the impeachment, the whole process from where it started to where we are now. So it's a political process is what I see. You know, lawyers look at this thing. Lawyers look at it, and they try, and, and I think the public does too, and they, they're trying to see it in the context of a trial. So everybody, whether you see it on TV or whether you hear about it from friends or whether you've done jury duty, you know, everybody has kind of a sense of what a trial is. And, and so when you get into an impeachment, whether it's Clinton or whether it's this one or Nixon, I was involved in the Nixon one because I, I worked for the lawyer, you know this, who defended the men who broke into the Watergate. So, I mean, I sort of saw that one really close up. Um, you know, the, the people who are involved in the, in, in the process um, try to turn it into a conventional trial, and it's not. It's a political spectacle, and this is a political spectacle. And so to say, uh, well, we're, we're charging the president with these crimes, show me in the criminal code where it is. And, you know, Democrats keep saying, um, well, the criminal code uh, says this is illegal. As a, if, it, if it did, they would have cited it. They would have said 18 United States Code, section blah, 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 makes it illegal, it's treason, or whatever. And they, they don't have that. And, they, and so it becomes a political spectacle where the question is, is what he did so inappropriate that he's forfeited the right to serve the country in a way that is grounded upon the thinking of the founders? And what he did, I think, was a wrong thing. Uh, I think any American public official who reaches out to a foreign country and attempts to coerce that foreign country through the threat of aid or aid cutoff, uh, anybody who does that, um, uh, you know, in order to you know, better their own political view, has done the wrong thing. Uh, it's just no question about it. I think most Republicans feel the same way. Uh, but the question is, is that a high crime and misdemeanor? And you can argue about what, what Hamilton um, thought when he wrote the Federalist Papers, and you're not going to come up with an answer, because it wasn't really absolutely clear to the founders. They had an uh, amorphous idea in their head. It was not a vote of no confidence. Um, and in fact, the, the initial form of government Hamilton wanted that form of government. He wanted a parliamentary kind of system where if you don't like the prime minister, who's the head of the party, the head of the ruling party is the prime minister, right? You don't like them, you have a vote of no confidence. After the vote of no confidence, they've got to put up another person or you have to have a general election. That's what happened in Israel. That's why they've had three elections in one year, because essentially they could not cobble together a majority um, for the ruling party. So you have to have an election. 
And so, um, but this is not a parliamentary system. The founders rejected that. They didn't want a parliamentary system. They wanted, a, 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 they wanted co-equal branches of government. And really the remedy, if you don't like Trump or what he's done, is to you know, vote for a new president. Um, having said that, I still think what he did was wrong. I don't think it should happen. Hopefully he's learned a lesson and he knows better. Uh, but it's, it, you know, it is disturbing when you have uh, American public officials um, who are um, working with foreign powers to try to uh, assist their own political agenda. It shouldn't happen. Okay? Uh, I don't think it's a high crime or misdemeanor, but I, I think it's bad. It was dumb, and I think he deserves to be criticized for it. And whether you vote for him or not the next time around depends upon who his opponent is. Since this is just a political endeavor, should we have had witnesses, or was the decision to expedite and not have witnesses a good one? Uh, again, if you, th- if you realize that it's not a trial, if it's a trial, there should be, there should be witnesses. But um, if, it, if it's not a trial and it's re- basically a political decision, then you should not. The other question is, when the House impeaches, really, what is that? It, so, if you, again, if you want to look at it from the criminal context, it, it's basically like a probable cause hearing, right? So they found, a magistrate finds probable cause. If they find probable cause, they find it over, and there's a trial. And in a trial, there are witnesses. So if you want to equate it to a criminal trial, which it's not, and I don't think the founders intended it to be, but if it was, then yes, you would need to have witnesses. If it's not... A, uh, a, a, a criminal trial, if it is rather a, a recall, um, the House recalling um, somebody who they believe has you know, violated the basic rules of our government structure, um, then whether you have witnesses or not really depends upon the case. Witnesses, we're not really going to add anything to what we know in particular, just cause more disruption. Right. So in the context of it not being a criminal trial, then I think it's okay not to have witnesses. So it really depends upon where you come out on that equation. And the founders don't really give us enough guidance to know for sure. So, you know, even though everybody, this is one of my bugaboos, you know, everybody talks about original intent. And even the president did last night. You know, I'm going to point judges who, who don't interpret, they read it as it is. Sorry, I have to say to both left and right wing, Republicans and Democrats, everybody interprets. You interpret conservatively or liberally or however you want to interpret, but, but this is a document that's, uh, you know, from, from 1789. It's an antique. Um, the times have changed. There weren't any political parties when they, for goodness sakes, when they wrote the Constitution of the United States. There were no political parties. Um, we, the, the press did not exist as we know it today. Uh, the press was owned by different, by different political interests in those days, whether it was James Callender or Benjamin Franklin Bache. They were owned by the Federalists or the Whigs or the Anti-Federalists. So you have an entirely different nation today, and you're trying to fit you know, a round peg into a square hole. So um, to be able to read the Constitution and say, well, this is what are required, required witnesses or not witnesses, is bogus. It really depends upon whether you view the process as a criminal proceeding, like, like we have in the court of law, which I do not think it is, and I don't think most people think it is, um, or whether you see it as a political process. If it's, if it's a political process, it doesn't really matter if you have witnesses or not. If you have, if you otherwise have the information, does that uh, answer your question? Yes, yeah, so oh, fabulous, great job, thank you. I appreciate the insights. Iowa debacle. Have you monitored that? We have about two thirds of the results are out now, but you monitor this and have a keen interest in politics and voting. Well, you know, again, again, I have a healthy disrespect for the process, but I'm quite aware of it. I've worked in the process. I've worked for politicians. I've done some election law. You know, I've done some 
some uh, legal work in the election field. So, um, again, it gets much too much importance. These are basically meetings of a political party where people get together in a room and express their their interest in in a particular candidate. It's a small state in the Midwest. It probably never affected the national election. Um, All it really is is kind of a beauty contest where, you know, you get some idea of of who people like based upon personal face-to-face meetings, and uh, it gets way too much attention. You know, it's like a sporting event. It it really doesn't mean much. It's uh, one game in a a 160-game season, right? And so uh, uh, my my take on the whole thing is it's relatively meaningless. So we know that a lot of people think that, uh, you you know, one or two of the candidates have a pleasant, chatty manner, and they like them, and they like getting together with them in a room. It really says very little about what's going to happen down the road. All right. Uh, Very little to nothing. It may help fundraising. You know, it may help the two leaders now with some fundraising. But the, but the Democratic Party has a much more fundamental problem, and it's one that has really been going on since, um, you know, since the days of, well, you can say since the days of Kennedy, really, but, and that is a tendency um, to nominate candidates who are perceived by most Americans as extreme. And uh, Bill Clinton was an exception. Bill Clinton was successful because Democratic, Democrats are capable of selling him as being a conservative Democrat. Uh, I, I had Democrats say to me they considered him a corporate Democrat. And uh, I met Bill Clinton a few times, and he, he was a very impressive personality on a one-to-one basis. Um, but he, he was able to, he was a good comedian, he was able to sell himself any way he wanted to sell himself. He did end welfare as we know it. He did have some, quote, conservative, close quote, credentials, uh, or at least enough of them to be able to, you know, make that appeal. Um, but but aside from a couple of exceptions, and that's probably the one major exception, Democrats seem to have a tendency to nominate somebody who who represents the most extreme element of the party. Maybe because those are the people who work the hardest, you know, or they get the most attention, or you know, they 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 go to the polls, and. Uh, so that's a that's that's a tendency that they're going to have to worry about as they go through the rest of these, and that's what Joe Biden is trying to posit himself as: I'm the non-extremist, you know, uh, vote for me because I'm I'm not I'm not on a, I'm not one of those kind of people who are going to make you lose the election. We have a but few. We'll mo- see. I don't think he's going to get the nomination, by the way. Don't you? But we'll see. Who, who do you th- who do you think will, Cliff? Yeah, what do you see in the months ahead? Well, I think I think that Elizabeth Warren probably has a strong. Ultimately, will have the strongest shot. She has a fundraising machine. She knows how to raise money. She's got a consistent message. She will appeal to the left wing base very strongly. She's a woman. Uh, we know from polling in Pennsylvania and other major states that women generally have a one to two to three percent advantage. Um, that's right. Now, people don't realize that, but look at the look at the polling and look at the election results nationwide in the last ten years. Um, so it, it's um, I, you know I think I think she's probably if I were a betting man I had ten dollars to bet <laughs> and I wouldn't do it I don't bet but you know I would I would bet she'd be she'll get the nomination. She's viewed as not being honest, told some good lies along the way. What's your reaction when uh, you think about how that folds into her candidacy? Yeah, you know, but of course, but they but everybody does. So listen, any candidate that you if you want to expose any candidate to a to an honest fact checking. Uh, they all say things that they, you know, just are not correct, not accurate, whether they're lies or whether they're deliberate or not deliberate or just boo-boos, you know, who knows. But um, it's very difficult to get up there and talk to an audience without notes for half an hour or an hour and not make, quote, mistakes, unquote, or not to take liberties with the truth. 
um, or not to you know not to take poetic license with the you know with the way you express a particular point of view. So you know I don't. You can compare her misrepresentations to anybody else who's run for office, and I don't know if she come out more, better or worse than anyone else. The, the issue with Elizabeth Warren is how extreme is she on social, political, um, military um, issues? Um, how much? Um, how much of a tax burden is she going to impose on Americans? And are they willing to do that to get what they want to get? Um, and that's what—that's uh, really what it's ultimately going to come down to. And I do believe it's ultimately going to—it's ultimately this election is going to come down to the state of the economy, because Americans have a particular view as to how they're living, and some some people who we may not morals we may not like and across the world and many other countries wind up staying in office because things are good and people generally will vote for the status quo the status quo is okay and um, you know Trump sounded the right message for him for his reelection of the Republican Party and it's all about the economy stupid and that's what he said last night and that's what he's going to beat the drum on and um, you know and, that, and Americans okay. will respond to that. When it comes right down to it, most people that I know, people that work for me, are not sitting around counting how many lies Trump or Elizabeth Warren told. They're looking at their paycheck. They're looking at their bonuses. They're looking at their profit sharing. They're looking at what they're paying for health care. And if things are good, they're you know they're either not going to vote or they're going to vote for the person in office. Or just in stable condition would be a satisfactory outcome for some of those topics. Okay, we'll give you the last word. Anything else to add to any of our topics or anything new to bring up any other topics of your interest? No, well, I, I think that the one thing that was kind of, uh, that is somewhat ignored about um, Trump, which is sort of which I think is very interesting, is you know Democrats for years. Have been carrying on that we should, you know, we should uh, not be involved in in the foreign wars. Uh, he's probably done more to try to dial down those uh, engagements and the cost of those engagements than any president in a very long time. I mean, he'd fit in with some pretty liberal Democrats if you again look at a twenty or thirty year cycle. In terms, and he said it last night. You know, war is bad for the economy, and that really that really uh, hits home to me because I did one of my thesis. I did two theses. One of my thesis was whether war is good for the stock market. And I got to talk to Gus Levy, who was chairman of the board of the New York Stock Exchange, a really big guy, probably one of the most famous you know, people of all time. And I asked him flat out, um, is, a, is war good for the economy or not? And he was livid. And he said, absolutely not. He went on for you know, an hour giving me a, a lecture in economics why it was not. So Trump gets that. It's bad for the economy. And so that's why they've done these targeted assassinations and targeted killing. Get rid of the bad guys, you know. You don't need to send in 10,000 or 100,000 or 200,000 troops. So that's a, that's a message that I think he is, is in the background um, that will, will come out. I think also his war on terrorism has been, it's not successful. It'll never be 100% successful, but it's certainly been more successful than attempts in the past. Isolating Iran, which is the world's largest uh, um, you know, leader of, um, uh, or financier of terrorism, um, is extremely important, and he's done that well. And he's embarrassed the Democrats and the prior president by taking the bull by the horns on that. And, of course, the trade deals. You know, I remember pretty vividly uh, actually talking to Bill Clinton when he was going around the country with George Bush selling the, the country. And they both went together to sell the country on, you know, the trade deal, on NAFTA, on NAFTA in particular. And um, really, he's a, for all the presidents say they hated it. 
they, every one of them has said it was no good. Obama said it was no good. But he was the first one who had the intestinal fortitude to, you know, to precipitate a crisis with China in order to get a better deal. Somebody needed to do that. He was willing to do it, and he did it, and it's going to make a difference. And uh, so there are some other subtle, more subtle issues that um, you know he's going to have in his back pocket as he as he has a run up to the election. Well, we'll have you back on the line in a few months as some of the uh, primary election falls together, and President Trump will do more campaigning, and we'll talk yeah. about those other issues at that time. Cliff, thank you so much for checking right. in. Yeah, anytime you have thank a, you very much. Anytime you have a spare way. minute, you're always welcome here. Yeah, and come <laughs> back and visit us again. Thanks, Cliff. We'll, we'll put you up at co-host. So thank you, sir. <laughs> Take care, Cliff. Okay. Take care, yourself. attorney. Bye. Cliff readers, uh, uh, readers, Travis, and the rest of his partners up there in Williamsport, past president of Pennsylvania Trial Lawyers Association, the smartest guy in the room everywhere he goes. President Clinton nominated him to be a federal judge. I didn't put that in the intro, but that's uh, part there. But he, is a, he does have a lengthy resume, and uh, of course, uh, as uh, I mentioned, just a, just, a, just a super guy. Unique too. ability to go right down the middle and, and show the strengths and the weaknesses of I'll each side of an argument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the I don't really know if he's a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, I mean, he he keeps describing himself as in the middle, so maybe you that's You can make true. your blood boil one minute, and the next minute you're nodding your head in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'll have quick headlines, and uh, we're going to talk about open phones. Uh, we have uh, a uh, State of the Union uh, email and some text, so we'll read those on the radio. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. The all-new expandable Boss EXT is the parking lot plow. When Mother Nature is at her worst, the EXT is at its best with enhanced pitch-forward wings that expand from 8 to 10 feet at the touch of a button. You can quickly and efficiently clear feet of heavy snow. The ultra-efficient EXT is another innovation from Boss that's built to back you up. RW Most Garage. When the snow flies, you should fly to RW Most. They're your full-service dealer with installations and service by their highly factory-trained service technicians. At RW Most, they know all the big-name 4x4 trucks because they make the best plow trucks. It's cold outside, and heating your home can get expensive this time of year. Small gaps and holes in your attic can make for a drafty house and expensive utility bills. Stop the cold air from getting inside your home by air sealing your attic. When you stop major air leaks, you'll start saving money. And when you combine air sealing with blow-in insulation, your family will be comfortable all winter long. Call the specialist at I'm the Guy for your free attic inspection or visit itgbasementsystems.com. Just in time for Valentine's Day, it's a pop-up craft event at the Susquehanna Valley Mall. Stop in from February 7th to 9th for a huge variety of unique items you and your sweeties will love. So many things to mention, let me take a deep breath. <gasps> Handmade slippers, hats, vests, rugskins, seat covers, gloves, chamois, wooden home decor, homemade cakes, pies and sweets, home automation solutions, wellness solutions, security surveillance solutions, spring decor, Easter decor, Valentine's decor, berry garlands and rings, quilted handbags and accessories, and even clothes for American Girl dolls. See you at the pop-up craft event. February 7th to 9th at the Susquehanna Valley Mall. Chad, we need to be serious. I want to talk about building our team. Oh, wait, like a basketball team? I could hit a three-pointer. No, Chad, I'm talking about the Cobalt Banker Pen 1 team. We are growing and expanding, and we need current active agents as well as brand new agents to join us. Oh, I get it. How do I sign up? You can stick with your day job, Chad, but anyone else who would be interested in joining our winning team can contact me, Lisa Barrick, at CobaltBankerPen1.com. Fantastic. When do I get my jersey? I'm a medium. No jerseys, Chad. 
The greatest explorers used to rely on compasses and telescopes. Now they rely on Ford Copilot 360 technology with available intelligent adaptive cruise control with stop and go, lane centering and speed sign recognition as they discover new worlds from available heated leather captain seats. The 2020 Ford Explorer, completely redesigned and more intuitive than ever. It's the greatest exploration vehicle of all time. Driver assist features are supplemental and do not replace the driver's attention, judgment, need to control the vehicle. You're in charge of hiring and Indeed has solutions like online skills tests, which let a candidate show that they're the right hire. And we give you this magic music, which will inspire the perfect hire to begin clog dancing. Okay, there's no magic music, but skills tests, that's a for sure. See why independent research by Silk Road shows Indeed delivers three times more hires than any other job site. Post your next job at Indeed.com slash hire and try skills tests for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, Joe's going to read a brand new email in the upper right-hand corner. While I do news headlines, two elected U.S. leaders in Washington, D.C. have favorable remarks about the President's State of the Union Tuesday night. U.S. Senator Pat Toomey says the President's State of the Union address highlighted the great strides our nation has made over the past three years and set an optimistic and ambitious agenda for the future. U.S. Congressman Fred Keller said, I thank President Donald Trump for delivering delivering a forward-looking message of unity that strikes an optimistic tone for the future of our country. Thanks to President Trump's leadership, we are in the middle of the great American comeback. We did uh, finally, I'm going to say, get a note from Con- or Senator Casey. He says, quote, for three years, President Trump and congressional Republicans have pursued a corporate agenda that gives obscene tax cuts uh, to the super-rich, rips health care away from millions, uh, and shortchanges our children. I heard nothing in last night's speech that leads me to believe the year ahead will be any different. Governor Tom Wolf gave his budget address yesterday saying he would have more money for education, health care, and removing asbestos from schools. He also said that he's thinking of trying to get the Republican legislature to impose some common sense measures related to gun laws that he says would make us safer. Saying universal background checks work that stronger reporting requirements for lost and stolen firearms keep guns off the street and that red flag laws keep guns out of the hands of people who are a danger to themselves or others. Governor Tom Wolf encouraged lawmakers to pass common sense measures to make Pennsylvania safer. So I hope the legislature will join me at the table on this. To let another session go by without action would be a failure of imagination that will cost lives. Let's make 2020 the year we choose to stop being cynical about the politics of gun violence and let's start to address the reality of gun violence. The governor also asked opponents of gun safety laws if they could honestly say they wouldn't do anything to protect members of their family from gun violence. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Conservative talk radio host Rush Limbaugh was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor last night. President Donald Trump presented the award during the State of the Union address. Limbaugh, 69, is a staunch Trump supporter. He announced Monday's battling advanced lung cancer. A bearded Limbaugh seated next to the First Lady Melania Trump looked stunned as the president announced the award. He eventually stood and saluted Trump and offered a thumbs up to Republicans in the House chamber. And the White House excluded CNN from its annual off-the-record briefing with television news personalities prior to the State of the Union address. The action took place without public protest from CNN or other journalists, and no one boycotted the event to support CNN. That stands in contrast 
contrast to an event in Britain this week where several journalists walked out of a briefing planned by Prime Minister Boris Johnson administration in reaction to colleagues being barred. Uh, CNN's Wolf Blitzer and Anderson Cooper attended the event last year. The network has been President Donald Trump's favorite target for his complaints about biased journalists. And there's a reason for that. (laughs) Right, because they're somewhat biased. All right, so they're pretty leaning left. Uh, On the Mark is brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company, and they invite you to do as I've I've done. Go to sunburymotors.com and build your next vehicle. I've actually built two. I built Joe's Lincoln Navigator that's got the big long sunroof that goes from right above your head in the driver's seat all the way to the back, so it's like a vista. They don't even call it a sunroof anymore. It's like a vista pier. And you get to have that on your vehicle. Of course, I'm going to get the towing package, even though you don't have anything to tow. I'm getting the V8 engine, and of course, it's got the EcoBoost, so even though you don't want it, you're going to get a slightly better gasoline mileage occasionally, and uh, it's going to be tricked out with everything you want in your vehicle, and it's a Lincoln Navigator, specially ordered for Joe. I'm going to get my Ford Ranger, Mike DeFeo says. It's waiting down here, Lawrence. Just get down here, and we are all going to do that together, and we invite you to do the same. Go to sunburymotors.com Check out their inventory. Odds are they've already got what you want on the lot, whether it's a Ford, Hyundai, Kia, or Lincoln. And if not, a pre-owned vehicle might be just right for you. Maybe you need to save a little bit of money. Maybe your price tag is only $10,000. Well, they have sound Ford, Hyundai, Kia, pre-owned vehicles that are perfect for that. Bump up to 20, and you're talking about a brand-new Hyundai or Kia. So these are just vehicles that are very reasonably priced for the right shopper, and they can take good care of you at the Sunbury Motor Company, and they would just love the opportunity to do so. I'll take a quick break. When we come back, please now dial 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. Did the president hit a home run or... (laughs) Joe's tearing up my speech again. We'll be right back. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. On the Mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. As we mentioned, our line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565 and text us at 70236. Email us at onthemarket.com. What do you want to do first? Well, we have uh, an email. We'll take that quick. Then we have a call. My opinion of the State of the Union address, it was a home run. Trump hit it out of the park. A wonderful speech. Trump won again. But we never get tired of winning. Nancy Pelosi reminded me of the line in The Wizard of Oz where the wizard says, I know you see that person to the left. Do not pay any attention to them. She was out in la-la land. I think she had the taste of bitterness in her heart. Maybe she better pray for herself. Go Trump 2020. Harry, you're on the mark. Hey, good morning, guys. I, I was one of the fortunate people last night. I, I was working, so while I <laughs> did not miss the uh, State of the Union address, I, I didn't see it either. But anyway, uh, I, I, am, there's, I have a couple reactions to things that have, have occurred during that, and, and another one because of the, the award for uh, Limbaugh also. But, you know, I, I think... The, uh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom being given to Limbaugh and the reaction of Pelosi last night to me are kind of hand in hand. One is, for Rush Limbaugh, he has uh, always been part of the problem in what is happening in, in, the, in the lack of civility in, in the political arena for, uh, you know, 
that need to always be right, not to do the right thing, always pounding away at that, and, and only one ideology is correct. And, and you know, he's a microcosm of that. He's not the cause of it, but he's, but he's, a, uh, he's, a, he's a part of the problem more than a solution, and, and always has been. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's him or a guy like Bill Maher or Don Lemon. They're, they're all the same, cut from the same mold. It's just your different side of the aisle. But the thing with Nancy Pelosi that bothers me is this is a woman who is, you know, in case of, of absolute disaster, she's really only a, a small distance away from being the president. And, and she always talks about how unpresidential Mr. Trump is. But that was just kind of like, you know, I'm going to take my ball and go home because I don't like what was said and what was done. If you had a child, my wife made a great point to me this morning, if you had a child who ripped up a paper that somebody read in school because they didn't like it, that child would be in trouble with the school administration for bullying and picking on somebody. So what's the difference that the Speaker of the House is so much above everybody else? Isn't that kind of a sad indictment on where we where we stand today? Well, well said on all points. Uh, first of all, you know, the, the president's speech, I... I wonder sometimes why he has to exaggerate. I, as I listened to it, I didn't hear anything that was sort of a blatant lie. I heard a lot of things that were his opinion that somebody with another opinion could dispute. He certainly had a lot of half-truths, and I wonder why do that? You don't have to. You know, Wall Street's going like crazy, and the economy is in sound footing. Unemployment is low. So why exaggerate? Why make it sound even better than it is? You know, the reality is satisfactory enough. And as for Rush Limbaugh, one of the most divisive characters in our nation. He's a racist and a misogynist, and he oh, has brother. helped strike the he division is. that you know, exists. He really is. Yeah. Well, and he well, struck he's the raised, tone that's, that made the division in this country he's what it is. Millions of dollars for tunnels to towers to buy veterans' homes, pay them all. Right, but that doesn't. He's done so much good charity that, work. That's wonderful, Joe. But but his platform to get to that point where he was able to do that was was really a, a shameful way of pandering to. Uh, to the masses, and, and that's, no matter what side you're on, that's just wrong. Yeah, I agree with you on the Nancy Pelosi thing. That's uh, was a little beneath even her. So, all right, thank you so much, yeah, Harry. Sorry, I appreciate your appreciate call. Appreciate the call. All right. Uh, we have U.S. Congressman Fred Keller offered to, and we accepted an opportunity for him to call the On the Mark show. Twelfth uh, District U.S. Congressman, Republican, was in the House chamber last night, uh, as he is during the week frequently too, uh, to hear the president's remarks last night. Good morning, Congressman. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Joe. And Hi, good Fred. morning to everybody listening. I do appreciate your calling in. Okay, well, your reaction, what did you hear as you uh, attended the speech last night? Well, what, what I think was so important is that the president highlighted the accomplishments of the American people and our nation under an administration that promised to put America first and remember America's forgotten men and women. And I tell you what, when you have that administration that kept its promises, reduced the regulation, incentivize those who, who go out and make things happen. We've got the greatest economy we've had in, in as long as I can remember. We've got wages for the lowest end of the, the, uh, uh, the lower end of the wage earners increasing the most as opposed to the top 1%. We've got energy independence. That is a huge thing that the presidents have talked about since I've been alive. And guess what? We finally got it done. And that's so important to not just 
PA-12, which is huge because on any given day, uh, 10% of the nation's gas, natural gas, is produced in PA-12. So it's huge for PA-12. It's huge for our Commonwealth. And look at what it's done for our nation is energy uh, um, independence. What so you, you look at those things. You look at what we've accomplished. And then he laid a path forward talking about how the pioneers were so forward-looking, the people that built our country, you know, and, and just you know, listed across the, you know, from the beginning of our republic until until now all the outstanding people in our country that uh, that, that moved us forward and looking to continue that uh, rebirth of American exceptionalism is, is outstanding. That's the message the president put forward uh, last evening. I think it's, it's a, a great story of what we accomplish when we believe in the American people and the spirit that they bring to the job they do every day. But he didn't actually reach across the aisle and offer any conciliatory, conciliatory messages to the Democrats, did he? Well, no, he, I'm, I'm not going to say he, he... I don't think he talked to either side of the aisle. I think he talked to the American people. Okay, well, I mean, let's face it, he did a couple of controversial things, like giving Rush Limbaugh that uh, award. Uh, uh, well, I, again, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a fellow, whether you... Whether, you're, you're going to agree with everything Russia said or not. You know, there's a guy that has cancer that, you know, uh, the president recognized. Uh, you know, you know if, if, if the purpose that we're going to talk about is just to try and tear people down and not about the positive message the president had, I mean, you could go on plenty of things on the other side of the aisle when people didn't stand to recognize the first lady. No, no argument. I mean, there you've got an exceptional first lady, and I don't care who it is. You recognize the work. Was that one of the times they weren't standing yesterday for her introduction? Yes. Oh, brother. For people that did not stand for the first Just thing. a beat. So, but, again, but again, guys, I'm not going to focus on those things like the speaker ripping up the president's speech, which, you know, I'm going to focus on what the president laid forward, and let's talk to the people we represent, the American people. And, and that's what the message is about. That's the, pres- the president was laying out the state of our union, and that's what he was talking to. He wasn't talking to Republicans. He wasn't talking to Democrats. He was talking to Americans. Well, Fred, you, you this were the, is what we've done. You were there. Did he not see Nancy Pelosi stretch her hand out to shake it, or did he diss her? Well, I'm going to say this. He didn't shake anybody's hand before the speech. He didn't shake the vice presidents. He didn't shake the speakers. Okay. So you think he was just there to give his speech, and he didn't expect to be doing any greeting up there? Well, he didn't. As I, as I said, he did not greet anybody on the rostrum. Yeah, you have to have uh. to be able to read his mind for that question, Joe. <laughs> Fred's good, but he's not that good. Uh, we, you said about energy independence, and the president talked about that and the role that natural gas plays in, in that. We still import uh, gasoline or crude oil from overseas, correct? We are a net exporter of energy. We are a net exporter of energy. Uh, you know, again, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of trade. I mean, we import and export all kinds of things, but America is energy. We produce more energy than we consume, and and that has been talked about forever. I mean, we're bringing in natural gas into New England, and we have in the past from countries that hate us because we don't have the infrastructure and pipelines. And the president talked about infrastructure in his speech, uh, many things, you know, his speech. But we need to make sure that we're not, you know, buying natural gas from people who do not share America's interests or that of our allies. And uh, there's just, again, such an opportunity. Of, you know, natural gas prices are low, and part of the reason that they're low is because we don't have enough transmission and distribution pipelines to get it to, get it to the markets that could benefit the most from it. Uh, 
so again, when we talk about infrastructure, I know the president talked about it. He talked about roads and bridges. He talked about broadband internet access for rural areas. And, uh, you know, he talked about energy, which are, are all things that are important to the people uh, uh, of the 12th Congressional District. And, and I'm glad to hear the president has those priorities uh, that we have in PA-12. And that, that's part of the work that we do in making sure the administration, making sure the policymakers that I, that, that, that I work with down here understand what's important to us. And to have the president have so many things in his speech that he wants to work on included that are beneficial to PA-12 proves that I've been doing doing the job I promised people I would do. And that is coming down here and advocating to make sure that that uh, when there's policy, you know, the people of PA-12 benefit. Well, Fred, this afternoon the president will probably be acquitted of the impeachment charges brought against him by the Democrats starting in the House. When this thing is all said and done, assuming the president will be acquitted, how divided will the House be? Can it go forward with any kind of consensus to get things done down there, or is it going to remain as split as it is currently? Well, again, I, all indications are that the Senate's going to put uh, you know put forth the vote they should because there was it certainly was 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 no, the president did nothing wrong. But I'm going to say this, because I got asked the question by somebody else, you know, do you, do you think we, that the president can work to get things done? Again, the president has proven time and time again, and he talked about it, putting America first, putting America's people first. As long as we all go in there with that mindset, there isn't any reason why we can't. And we're focused on making sure that we always put America's people and America's interests first. There's no reason why we shouldn't go in and we shouldn't be able to do great things. Well, he mentioned last night, put a drug, a bill to reduce the cost of drugs on my desk, and I'll sign it. And the Democrats all yelled, "HR six, I think it was." HR HR three, which is three. which okay. is price fixing by the federal government. That is not a solution that leads to innovation, new drugs, uh, lower prices. Uh, the, the bipartisan bill is HR nineteen, which includes bipartisan things. And, and the narrative that, that that people have been saying of of what they've passed. Passing busy work that's partisan versus real solutions are two different things. <laughs> and, and and HR 19 has bipartisan ideas included in it. That's the one we need to run because it does create uh, it gets generics to market more quickly. It creates the, it stops some of those uh, things that have been you know happening in the past as far as manufacturers being able to extend patents and you know pay others not to develop drugs. So it fixes those things, but it creates. It creates an innovative atmosphere with competition, choice, and, and transparency, and that's the recipe that we need. I mean, to move things forward, HR 19 is the bill that's out there. That's the bipartisan bill. The president has said that he has a health care solution for America that he wants to present after the election. Have you seen any indication that the administration is working on anything comprehensive for health care? Yeah, actually, and I think he lined, uh, outlined a couple of things last night. And, and, and the fact then, again, is, and it goes back to, to uh, transparency, and it goes back to, to, to things that we put in place to make sure people get care and quality care and not just coverage. Because if you remember about, you know, Obamacare and everything they talked about, they talked about covering more people. They talked about insuring more people. Well, if you're insured with a policy that's unaffordable, it's worthless. You've got to talk about how we deliver care and how we make sure care gets to the people they need, not coverage, care. And I think that's probably a big distinction in what the administration's working on and looking to put forward versus just saying we covered more people as a talking point. 
right. Any uh, you know, and, and that's innovation. That that's 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 health association plans. That's uh, you, you know health savings accounts. That's selling insurance across state lines. That's a whole host of things that's being discussed. And, and I think that you know here again. We work together. We put the American people first, and we look at what we can do. I think I think we can we can solve that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Come and visit us again. You have an open mic anytime. Call in. We love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Congressman. Oh, I appreciate it. And, and you can tell I'm excited because I'm excited because I've seen what the American people have accomplished over the last three years, and our future is so very very bright. And uh, you know, again, it, it, it's what the American people can do. When you have people that are setting policies that allow them to do that, and, and, and politicians that keep their words, and, and, and that's what we've seen over the last three years under this administration, and that's what I continue to work for. Well, so keep, keep up. The I good, appreciate the opportunity. Keep up the good and fight. By the way, Fred. Ben Reichley says hi. I saw him this morning. <laughs> uh, he's down down here working. That's on. right. He was in. Was he in the in the house last night? Actually, he was he was here in D.C. Uh, okay. And the, he watched it on a monitor, but uh, or on TV, and. Uh, Okay. Uh, but I got to have breakfast with Ben this morning. He said this regards he's here with Rural Water uh, talking about issues that are important to rural Pennsylvania. We tell him he's due on the radio Friday, so we're going to need him back in town. Thank you so much, Fred. Right, Appreciate thanks. that. Uh, Fred Keller, U.S. Congressman Fred Keller, 12th District, a Republican, of course, in the uh, House well, as they call it, last evening for the President's remarks. All right, we'll take a speedy dialer. We could have one speedy dialer coming through right now, one 800 795 we got an email and a couple of texts to read. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark Joe. Go, go, go. One of our emailers, and he's going to be on my prayer list, says Pelosi should have gone one step further. After tearing up the speech filled with lies, she should have thrown the pieces in his face. Yeah. I, I'd love to that's hear what's what the wrong lie, with this country. Right, we are, so it's Russia's fault. But anyway, I'd love to hear what the true factual lies were. I know that he said, like, the country's the greatest right now that it's ever been. I know a lot of people who would argue that, okay? So that's that's not a lie. It's just his opinion. Uh, he exaggerated some things, all right? But an outright blatant, he said the sky was green and it's actually blue. I'd like to hear people tell me what he actually said that was a lie. I didn't hear any lies. I heard a lot of opinions and a lot of exaggerations. And you know, well, maybe you could call them a half-truth. You know the old, the old saw, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Well, sure, that's I the way most life American goes. people are going to say, yes, I am better <laughs> off now than I was four years ago. Uh, some of our texters says, good morning, I boycotted Trump's State of the Union. I must say I hear it was full of lies. Well done, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, she tore up the show. 
Uh, Trump refused to shake Nancy Pelosi's hand. He's the baby. He might be acquitted, but he's still not exonerated. Signed, Bob. I, I'm not certain, Bob, that he refused to shake her hand. I mean, he handed her the document, and it was immediately turning as he did so. Mm-hmm. I'm not certain he saw her hand outstretched. Maybe he did, you know, and maybe, but if he didn't shake the vice president's hand, I think it's fair to assume that his intention was not to shake hands and greet people, but just to hand them the speech and get going. He handed her an official United States document, which she ripped to shreds at the end of his speech. Well, and I, one of the things she did was apparently in the past when he introduced the president, it's, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have the dignified honor of introducing to you the president of the United States of America. And she didn't do all of that. She just said, the president of the United States. So she kind of shortened it so that it well, would, wouldn't make him sound more years, dignified. For years, the uh, doorkeeper of the House would always open the door and say, Mr. Speaker, the president of the United States. Well, he did States. do that. Okay. Yeah. You know who that was for many years? The famous Fishbait Miller. Oh, no kidding. Who knew? <laughs> I did. And why do you? <laughs> because I used to listen to him. I remember when he introduced Eisenhower and Truman. I'm dating myself, too. Right. Well, you're 76, so we knew this. The spirit is 76. There we go. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. Dan Patrick is next. Rob Center was our fabulous producer. Joe's the co-host. We'll be back with more tomorrow.